Hey y'all, you're listening to Link in the Chain, a bi-weekly podcast that aims to reveal the depth and vastness of hip-hop one episode at a time. We take our favorite methodologies, albums, artists, and songs and strip them to their core, figuring out what exactly makes them so magnetic. I'm your host, Jillian Grace. Let's get started. I'm just doing what Pete did for me. Pete Brain did for me and what James Brown did for them. It's still just a fan of forward. I just always look at it as a link in the chain, man. Like, it's a link in the chain. Y'all came back. (laughs) Thank you so much. Before we get started, I just want to say that I am absolutely overwhelmed at the amount of love and support that you all have shared with me. Sometimes it's easy to forget that there is an entire tribe behind me, but I am incredibly grateful and appreciative of every repost, share, kind comment, or kind thought. It truly means the world to me, and I am so ready to share all that I've learned and all that I love with all of you. One thing you all will learn about me throughout this podcast is that I love the art of sampling. I love it. It's something about the idea of taking a song that has already served a purpose, manipulating it either by slowing it down or speeding it up or, you know, doing whatever you want to do to it and then repurposing it. That is absolutely fascinating to me. This method is something that is not only near and dear to my heart, but has played a really large role in the deep love that I have for this music. So it's only right that we begin this season with talking about sampling and its impact on not only hip-hop, but Black music as a whole. Let's get it. I'd be remiss if I began this conversation anywhere else than the very beginning. I'm talking about the late 70s, when hip-hop was born in the South Bronx. The wave of disco was slowly fading out, and DJs like DJ Cool Herc were taking the breakdown and giving b-boys and b-girls an opportunity to break dance. Now, these breakdowns were sections from songs that only consisted of drum patterns and an occasional melodic motif. DJs would take these sections, extend them, and let dancers do their thing out on the floor. People ended up loving these breaks, though, which caused DJs to lengthen them even longer and open the door for folks to rap and rhyme over them. Throughout Black music, plenty of folks such as Louis Armstrong, Cab Calloway, and Gil Scott Heron all had a sort of spoken word aspect in their music. We as Black people have always rhymed, okay? It's instinctual to speak with a cadence. (laughs) But nevertheless, it is DJ Hollywood that is considered to be one of the first rhythmic rappers. Now, when it comes to perfecting this break, which also led to the art form of sampling, this is accredited to the one and only Grandmaster Flash. Through the use of a simple crayon and breaking the cardinal rule of never touching the vinyls, Flash figured out a way to make it so that his two records would flow and keep the merry-go-round going seamlessly. He went on to join the Furious Five, where they released the 1980 single Freedom, which samples Get Up and Dance by the rock band Freedom. Sampling in regards to hip-hop music was birthed out of accessibility. Having access to the world's developing synthesizers was a luxury, so these musicians created a new art form from what they were given, which is something that Black people are familiar with. In Netflix's docuseries, Hip-Hop Evolution, music and culture critic Nelson George said the following, 
To me, it's a tradition of great black music. You know, the saxophone's a classical instrument that's not really essential to the classical canon, but it was taken by black musicians who made it into the central instrument of jazz. The electric guitar, you know, Muddy Waters, Chuck Berry. They made it into something new. And I feel the same way about Grandmaster Flash because the turntables were made into an instrument. Fast forward to 1988. Hip-hop has significantly expanded past its humble beginnings, and sampling is second nature to the genre. This is the year that Akai released the first MPC sampler, which allowed folks to assign different sounds to different pads and play them as one would play a drum kit. Today, most samples are recorded and edited using digital audio workstations such as Pro Tools and Ableton. Jay Dilla, Pete Rock, Just Blaze, and the man whose voice you'll hear every week until NPR sends me a cease and desist letter, <laughs> Ninth Wonder, <laughs> are some of the greatest programmers and producers that hip-hop has gifted us with. Now that we've covered the background, let's talk about the method itself. Early in the episode, I said that sampling has the power to transform pre-existing songs and breathe life into them, giving them new meaning. Being that I've studied jazz and academia for about six years now, my favorite samples are those that have their roots in this genre. A few of my all-time favorite jazz to hip-hop moments are the following. Okay, so first up, Moondance by Bobby McFerrin and Ab Soul's The Book of Soul. In the original tune, McFerrin talks to a love interest, professing his love to this person and asking if he can have one more moon dance with them. Producer Tommy Black took the solemn chord progression in McFerrin's eerie voice and made it the backdrop for Ab Soul's ode to his late girlfriend, Alori Joe. Let's take a listen to the OG song first. Magic. I seem to whisper and hush and all. The soft, soft moonlight seems to shine in your blush again. I just have one more moon dance with you, my love. Again, I just have one more romance with you, my And now, Absols. Saucy. Your mama told me read the book of Job. They should have called it the Book of Soul. I came into this hurtful earth in perfect health. Called Stephen Johnson Syndrome when I was 10 years old. Internal and external fever, 80%. Fatality rate at that time. Ain't that some shit? I've got to say, when I was doing research on this song, it kind of choked me up. Now, I've been listening to Control System, the project that this um, song comes from, for about 10 years now. I was the biggest Absol fan. I used to walk around Howard University as a freshman with this like <laughs> Absol baseball tee and I would pair it with like jean shorts <laughs> and like thigh high black socks 
and butters. And I, I don't know who authorized this. <laughs> I don't know where my friends were, but I say all that to say that I was an absolute stan, okay? And I, I knew about the song and the tragedy that happened with Alori Joe, but the deeper I dug, the more sad that this song became. There's a point in Bobby McFerrin's song where he says, well, I want to make love to you tonight. I can't wait till the morning has come. And I know now the time is just right and straight into my arms you will run. Juxtaposing that against one of Saul's lines where he says, stick to the plan, I'll meet you at our spot. If reincarnation is true and we don't get too lost, even if you forget me and everything you left behind, I never lied. I love you in a place where there's no space and time. Wow. This beautiful imagery of night and day versus death and life slash reincarnation, it's, it's gorgeous. It's beautiful. Now, mind you, in 2003, Metal Fingers, a.k.a. the late MF Doom, featured the sample on his mixtape, Special Herbs, on an instrumental titled Burdock Root. But something about Soul's producer having the instinct to take this sample and place it within this context is, is so moving. Next up, we cannot have this conversation of jazz samples within hip-hop without, <laughs> without mentioning A Tribe Called Quest. Now, I could talk about one song, but that would be absolutely criminal. So I will instead talk about their second album, The Low End Theory. Now listen, this album, <laughs> this album right here, from sampling Green Dolphin Street on Jazz We've Got to them sampling our Blakey and the Jazz Messengers on Excursions, fam. These niggas had Ron Carter playing upright on their record. Like what? What? I, I got a call one day from this person called Q-Tip, you know, and, and uh, I said, okay. <laughs> and he said he was putting together a record with his band called Tribe Called Quest and wanted to know if I would be able to make a, a track or so with him, you know. Hmm. I said, well, I'm at school right now, let me call you back. I was uh, teaching class. And uh, so I called one of my sons, I said, you know, I got this call from this guy named Q-Tip. Do you know anything about this guy and his music? And uh, he recommended that it was a good choice for me, that they wanted me, they must like my sound. Mm -hmm. And my job was to find the right notes for their poetry. So I called him back and said, uh, my son recommends I take this opportunity. Uh, my saying to you is that I know some of the lyrics of those, those poems I've heard. Mm. And, and uh, I, I, I don't really speak like that. You mm -hmm. know? And, and uh, I'll make you a deal. I'll do this record with you. But if I sense that language going those ways, my car's parked right outside with a ticket on it. <laughs> and I, I, I'm going to go home. The way they so effortlessly integrated the jazz idiom and the style into their work, and it's not beyond them, or rather, they're not unaware of what they're doing. Q-Tip's opening lines on the album are quite literally, you could find the abstract, listening to hip-hop. My pops used to say it reminded him of bebop. I said, well, daddy, don't you know that things go in cycles the same way that Bobby Brown is just anthem like Michael? And honestly, that is the point of this podcast, <laughs> to show that everything, particularly within the scope of Black music, is connected. I could honestly, <laughs> end the season right here, <laughs> 
Like, thank you all so much for listening to Link in the Chain. We're done. <laughs> but I'll keep going. Last but certainly not least, one of my all-time favorite examples of sampling and what made way for one of hip-hop's biggest rivalries. I'm talking about The World Is Yours by Nas sampling Ahmad Jamal's I Love Music. Pianist Ahmad Jamal, like jazz giant Ron Carter, is no stranger to hip-hop. Although he has very few direct ties to the genre, Jamal's playing has acted as the backdrop for more than 200 songs. De La Soul, Absol, Common, Isaiah Rashad. Some of the best rhymers that this game has to offer have all spit a verse or two over a beat that features this Pittsburgh native. On his 1994 debut, Illmatic, Nas released one of hip-hop's most beloved songs, The World Is Yours, produced by Pete Rock. Before we dig into what makes this all so rich, let's take a listen to the OG and then the sample. Writing in my book of rhymes, all the words past the margin. The whole of mic, I'm throbbing. Mechanical movement, understandable smooth issue that murderers move with. The thief's theme, the thief's play theme. me at night, they won't act right. The fiend of hip hop has got me stuck like a air pipe. The mind activation, react like I'm facing time like Pappy. World is yours, just um, the track, you know, speaks to me because it just it has a life of itself, you know, without even one word on it. When I heard it, it had a life to itself. It was like, I needed music that really was alive. Back then, it wasn't necessarily about dance records. It wasn't a record that would come on and, and you know, there's records that you that you rock to in the club, and then there's records. And I was making records. And, um, you know, that beat was a record. That beat was for, like, a piece. It was a piece of art to me. So it was perfect for, for the ideas I was having. As Nas said, the instrumental had a life of its own already. Ahmad Jamal has a way of playing with such buoyancy. It's as if his fingers are floating across those keys. It shows within the first four minutes of the song where it's just solo piano, it's just him. He plays the famous motif over and over again, constantly building on it. It is evident that he has both complete control and is continuously morphing the theme in his hands like putty. That combined with the Tila Rock sample, chef's kiss. <laughs> absolute, absolute perfection. But that's not where the story ends. Fast forward two years later, Sean Carter releases his debut album, Reasonable Doubt. Now listen, I'm not gonna make you choose sides, okay? <laughs> but as for me, as for Jillian Grace, as for Link in the Chain, we refer to Mr. Carter as Go Around Here. 
respectfully. <laughs> Jay-Z takes Q-Tip's remix of The World Is Yours and samples it for his song, Dead Presidents. Let's listen. Presidents to represent who want to bet us that we don't touch letters, stack cheddars forever, live treacherous, all the etceteras, to the death of us, me and my confidants, you shine, you feel the ambiance, y'all niggas just rhyme, body ounce though accumulates like snow, we don't just shine, we illuminate the whole show, you feel me, factions from the other side would love to kill me, spill three quarts of my blood into the street, let alone the heat, fuck em. we hate a nigga loving his life, in all possible ways, know the feds is bugging my life, hospital days reflecting with my man laid up. Now, this isn't what sparks the beef per se. The beef doesn't go into full force for another five years, but it does act as a precursor for what's to come in 2001. This, along with the subtle shots from Rockefeller artist Memphis Bleak to Jay-Z sleeping with the mother of Nas's child, it all led to one of the most iconic beefs, one that birthed countless historic diss records like Takeover and Ether. This is not really necessary, <laughs> but since this is a Sean Carter household, I do want to quickly play the snippet where Hove acknowledges the 96 sample of The World Is Yours. So yeah, I sampled your voice. You was using it wrong. You made it a hot line. I made it a hot song. <laughs> so good. <laughs> okay, back on track, back on track. Both artists waved their white flags and ended the beef. They've both been guests on each other's albums, and with songs like DJ Khaled's Sorry Not Sorry are still collaborating to this day. But it's fascinating how so much can come can be birthed from a singular sample. I'd also be remiss if I didn't mention that aside from Nas's vocals, producer Ski Beats also sampled Garden of Peace, performed by jazz pianist Lonnie Liston. the only person who has done deep dives on the world of sampling. Countless historians, musicologists, and all-around lovers of hip-hop find themselves wondering why exactly producers and programmers sample. Sure, in the beginning, it was a means of creating something fresh, but researchers think that what has come from it is far bigger than that. Hip-hop scholar William Eric Perkins said that sampling was and is hip-hop's ongoing link with history and tradition, including all African-American genres. On the other hand, scholars like Joseph Schloss believe that producers are not particularly concerned with using samples to make social, political, or historical points. In other words, a producer's only goal is to make music that sounds and feels good. 
I think what makes this method and conversation so enticing is also the very thing that makes all black music enticing. It's our ability to make something out of nothing, both literally and figuratively. It's being able to live in this space of duality, the space that says, I purposely chose this sample and I'm going to drop the breadcrumbs and it's your job as a listener to piece this puzzle together. But also says, this loop feels good and (laughs) that's enough reason to use it. Either way, both standpoints are equally important. Both are links in the chain. (laughs) Y'all see what I did there? (laughs) You see how I did that? (laughs) So I am not a programmer nor a producer. (laughs) My friends actually tried to teach me how to use GarageBand once, which is literally like Pro Tools Junior, and I decided right then and there that it wasn't my ministry. (laughs) But I am very thankful to be around some of the dopest producers, okay? I'm talking about my friends. Here is what a few of my homies had to say when it comes to why or why not they choose to sample. I totally do sample sometimes. Um, I'm more so probably would just recreate the sample, just playing it myself. Uh, But absolutely, I believe it's how you bridge generations between music. You introduce music to a whole new generation in a whole new different way to a generation that probably would have never heard it if it weren't for you sampling it. So I'm 100% for sampling. Yo, this is Manny Phantom out of the DMV area, and I don't sample uh, mainly because I'm so inspired by the sounds that come out of hardware and VSTs like the Roland Phantom G7 and Arturia Pigment, those are some of my favorites. Um, but I would, though. Um, I love sampling, and um, I think some of the creative beats come out of sampling. And it's cool when you find that you know sample that you wasn't sure about, and then it just hits like, whoa! So I typically don't sample, but when I do, it's because I'm looking for a specific vibe. Uh, I feel like it's a whole different approach to production that I haven't really tapped into yet. Um, I have sampled a few times, though, but I just don't because it's kind of hard getting things clear sometimes. Um, You know, obviously, to get it clear, you know, the label has to do it and everything, and Sometimes people just won't clear it, you know. Uh, I know a few times, been a few songs where things just won't get cleared, and then they got to recut it uh, or, you know, have somebody else recut it for them. Or if it was a vocal, they have to have a different artist sing it for them, and it doesn't bring that same feel to. So, yeah, I mean, that's just really my thoughts on it. But, yeah, that's it. Thanks again for tuning in to Link in the Chain. The theme song was produced by Hype Alexander. All research, producing, and recording was done by myself, Jillian Grace. If you like what you heard in this episode, please make sure to like, share, and subscribe to the show. Thanks again. See y'all in two weeks.